0: Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato and this is race day at the 2023 Italian Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Max Verstappen makes history, winning an unprecedented 10th consecutive Grand Prix by beating Carlos Sainz to top spot in Monza. Ferrari was no match for Red Bull Racing, with even Sergio Perez climbing up to second place, but Sainz at least gave the home fan something to cheer about with a hard-fought third place for his first Italian Grand Prix podium as a Ferrari driver. And there were fights throughout the field on a lively and sometimes accident-prone afternoon, including a rare example of friendly fire at McLaren. To run us through the last European race of the season, including an unusual postscript to Carlos Sainz's third place, let's hear now from your host, Luke Smith.
1: Hello, my name is Luke Smith, senior Formula One writer for The Athletic, and I'm coming to you following a busy day at Monza that saw Max Verstappen make history as the first ever Formula One driver to win 10 consecutive Grand Prix. So much of the narrative going into this weekend had focused on the possibility of Verstappen reaching that landmark, pulling clear of the nine consecutive wins set by Sebastian Vettel at the end of the 2013 season, something that Verstappen equalled with his win at Zandvoort one week ago. Even in the build-up to the race, I got chatting to a broadcaster who noted to me some of the similarities between what Verstappen might be about to achieve and what the drivers he was trying to eclipse had done in the past. After all, Monza was where Vettel scored his maiden F1 win back in 2008 for Toro Rosso. The same team Verstappen made his F1 debut for. Monza was also the site of Alberto Ascari's first F1 title for Ferrari in 1952. He won nine straight F1 Grand Prix albeit broken up by the Indy 500 that was part of the world championship in 1953 and therefore meant he didn't win nine straight races so it meant there were already a lot of links between this track and what Verstappen might be about to achieve. But there was another narrative that threatened to derail Verstappen and that was all about the homecoming for Ferrari in front of the Tifosi. Saturday's qualifying session had sprung a surprise as Carlos Sainz bagged his first pole position of the season, narrowly beating Verstappen. Sainz had been on the pace right through practice and carried that into qualifying, giving Ferrari fans a glimmer of hope that he might be able to hang on and pull off a shot victory that would surely send the crowd into raptures. There were other elements to it as well. The Monza curse that I spoke about on the Saturday podcast. The fact that in 1988, when McLaren was going for its perfect season, Monza was the only race it didn't win. Would the stars align and give Ferrari that shot victory? Ahead of the race, we had a chat with Ferrari's senior performance engineer, Jock Clear, and he explained that Ferrari had always known Monza would likely be a good track for the team, given how the car had performed on other lower downforce layouts, such as Baku and Spa. He also talked about the sense of sentiment around the race for Ferrari. Given it always knew it was going to go well at Monza, it wanted to make an extra special effort. That's why new engines were fitted to the cars, and a Monza-specific wing was introduced, something that Red Bull didn't do, because Ferrari wanted to maximise the possibility of winning at Monza. But Clear did caveat all of that optimism by noting it would still take a mighty effort to defeat Verstappen and Red Bull, and that all Ferrari could really do was take the best possible fight it could. And boy did Sainz do that. He started well and made his Ferrari as wide as possible on the opening lap to keep Verstappen at bay. And even when DRS kicked in, he wouldn't let up at the front. Sainz hadn't led a lap at all this season, but he was now able to lead 14 of them continually batting away the attacks that Verstappen launched. The closest moment between them was when Verstappen tried a move that was reminiscent of his attempt to overtake Lewis Hamilton at the first chicane in 2021, swooping around the outside and keeping his foot in. If you remember, that move ended in a crash, Verstappen's Red Bull riding over the top of Hamilton's Mercedes. Like Hamilton, Sainz did squeeze Verstappen out to the outside, as he was entitled to do, But this time, Max knew it was better to back down and not keep his foot in. He had to stay patient. He made a couple of other little lurks into Turn 1, but every single time, Sainz was able to knock it back, placing his Ferrari perfectly in the middle of the circuit. It did give Sainz some hope that he might be able to hang on and win this race, but he was soon noticing that his left rear tire was starting to give up a little bit, and Verstappen had noticed the exact same thing on Sainz's car. He pushed to keep up the pressure until either Sainz's tyres gave up or he was forced into an error. In the end, it was a bit of both. A little lock-up for Sainz at Turn 1 on lap 15 was all the opportunity Verstappen required to get a good run out of the chicane, going to the outside at Curva Grande and finally completing the move into the Rogier chicane. Within a couple of laps, he was already two seconds up the road, leaving Sainz powerless to fight back. From there, Verstappen really had everything under total control. He was running as much as 12 seconds clear of the field in the closing stages before Red Bull told him to back off, fearing there could be some temperature issues if he got caught in a gaggle of lapped cars on what was, to quote Christian Horner, a stinking hot day at Monza. While his margin of victory was only six seconds, the result was huge. A tenth win on the bounce, a new Formula One record. After the race, Verstappen said he was proud of the achievement, admitting it was never something he thought would be possible. But he also didn't dwell on the record. He's never ever been one to do so. He always thinks about the bigger picture, looking at taking things race by race and simply enjoying what he's doing. He hailed the efforts of the Red Bull team to make such a great run of results possible and noted how rare such a streak is in Formula 1. This kind of form is not something that comes along every single year for a driver or a team. It was another reason for red bull to really soak it all in and enjoy the moment and i think that is maybe something that's lost as we talk about all these records we quote big numbers we quote famous drivers but ultimately this is a team just still operating at such a high level okay the red bull is the dominant car and verstappen is the dominant driver but it does still require a monumental effort to win 10 races in a row not once throughout that period no qualifying no nothing faltering or slipping up everything has been perfect lately the chances of going on that kind of run even if you do everything right without some kind of bad luck that's out of the team's control coming in and ending that run that's quite high in 10 races you would have thought that something would happen if it's a freak rain shower or a badly timed safety car but through it all Verstappen and Red Bull have just kept on rolling There was quite a nice comment from christian horner after the race he revealed he actually has a superstition where he doesn't like empty trophy cabinets so he won't order them in advance instead getting one when there's enough trophies to fill up but red bull now has too many trophies for the cabinet it already has on order meaning another one is already required these are the kind of problems that serial winners run into i guess (laughs) also don't forget this was red bull's 14th straight victory keeping its hope of a perfect season alive and it also made a bit of a statement by scoring a 1-2 finish on Ferrari home soil after Sergio Perez battled through to second place. Perez managed to pick off George Russell in the opening stint before disposing of both Ferraris in the closing stages of the race. In a not-so-subtle message to the the Stappen and Perez came home on the cooldown lap in formation, running side by side. I asked Christian Horner about that after the race and he said that he thought it was something that Red Bull's late founder, Dietrich Matschitz, would have really, really enjoyed. Carlos Sainz did manage to complete the podium for Ferrari, but it was not without a very tense late battle against his teammate, Charles Leclerc, who kept on attacking him with DRS. There are a couple of moments the Ferraris did nearly come together, particularly at the Roche chicane, they had a very, very close moment. Leclerc really had to hit the brakes to make sure he didn't go into the back of Sainz but in the end both drivers kept it hard but clean. It was a really nice sign of the kind of racing we like to see between drivers and also the respect that lies between Sainz and Leclerc, even if Ferrari would have been right to fear potentially losing both cars given how close it got at times. It was Sainz though who was the darling of the Tafosi today, up on the podium even when the Dutch national anthem was playing. The crowd was going crazy for Sainz, chanting car Carlos, car loss, car loss. He then had a bit of a run in with some robbers later in the evening, it emerged in the Italian media, who stole his watch only for the watch to be recovered in the end in central Milan. A very odd end to what has been quite an emotional day I'm sure for Sainz, being up on the podium for the first time at Monza as a Ferrari driver. Now not all of the drivers were able to keep it as clean as Sainz and Leclerc. In the end, four drivers George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent all landed penalties through Sunday's race. Russell still finished fifth after getting a five second penalty for going off the track when he was trying to stay ahead of Esteban Ocon. He was able to pull enough of a gap though and cross the line ahead of Hamilton who got a penalty himself for the collision with Oscar Piastri. That clash at the Roger chicane meant Piastri had to pit for a new front wing, dropping him out of the points. But that wasn't even the first time Piastri had a run-in with another car during the race. Of all the drivers, he'd glanced teammate Lando Norris's car while exiting the pits earlier on. They touched tyres and it was nothing that caused any damage to either car and both downplayed the instant after the race. Lando saying that it was simply a case of Oscar having cold tires, hard tires at that, and was coming out of the pits. But McLaren team principal Andrea Stella was less happy about things, saying it was the kind of move that simply should not happen between two McLaren cars. Piastri also ended up getting a penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage, meaning he drops from 11th to 12th in the final classification. Alex Albon managed to continue his excellent form for Williams by finishing the race seventh, pulling off a long stint on the hard tyres and bringing home six valuable points that will go a long way to clinching seventh place in the championship for the British team. He managed to keep Lando Norris at bay through the final stint, meaning Norris had to set up the eighth place in the end, while Fernando Alonso and Valtteri Bottas rounded out the points for Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo now while Albon was able to enjoy a really strong weekend for Williams, Logan Sargent still couldn't break his points duck. At one point he was sat P10 only for Valtteri Bottas to overtake him and the two to touch resulting in a penalty for Sargent for causing a collision, meaning he ended up finishing 13th. Esteban retired on a pretty miserable day for Alpine as Pierre Gasly only finished 15th, the pair of them obviously dropping out in Q1 on Saturday. At Alpha Tauri, Yuki Snowda didn't even start the race due to a problem he had on the formation lap, leaving Liam Lawson in just his second F1 start to run solo for AlphaTauri. Still, he took it all in his stride and was classified 11th in the end after Piastri's penalty, finishing just six seconds off his first F1 points. so that is a wrap for monza it has been an absolute pleasure to be on the mic this weekend it's been a really really fun one i i love monza to bits i've not actually been to this race since 2019 and it was i think very special just being on the grid today and seeing the flyover, that the italian national anthem The passion of the Ferrari fans. It really is a race like no other and I think it's important that as much as we look at new events such as Las Vegas or uh, we've got Qatar coming up, the glitz of Singapore that we'll be going to in a couple of weeks time, traditional events like Monza have got such an important place in F1's history and in its future as well. I think it's a very grounding thing to remember where we've come from and really see the history at this circuit. So I will be back on the mic in a few races time, but make sure you join Pit Pass F1 once again for the Singapore Grand Prix in two weeks time as we edge ever closer to Max Verstappen's coronation as world champion.
0: Thanks very much to Luke Smith, who was in the Monza Paddock all weekend, bringing us the latest from the Italian Grand Prix. You'll hear from Luke again later this season, but for now you can find him on social media. Just check the links in the show description. The Singapore Grand Prix is up next in just a couple of weeks, and you can keep up to date with all of the action from Marina Bay by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast.
2: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Mentor a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players